Lord told me, let's start from the very beginning. Let's talk about faith. Today's title, if you will, if you've ever been to college, if you've ever been in some type of school, or maybe you've been online courses before, when you start with a title, you normally have either Math 101 or Geometry 101 or Science 101, but today it's going to be called Faith 101. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. Thank you, Father God, within the next minutes, Lord, the next 20 to 30 minutes, Father God, you will have your way. Holy Spirit, take total control of this place. Use me, Father, as your vessel. Remove anything of, of my personal desires or my emotions in this moment. I declare that it's you, Spirit of the living God, that will flow through me to preach to your people. In the name of Jesus, take total control. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith 101. So, let's talk about faith. So, the first thing I did, I said, look, let's compare the two definitions of faith. What do you mean by two definitions? Well, we have Webster's Dictionary, which is the, you know, carnally minded individuals that probably don't have Jesus in their heart, probably don't read the Bible. So faith in the dictionary, let's see the definition. It says, confidence or trust in a person or thing. Faith in another's ability. The belief that is not based on proof. Okay. Now let's see what it says in the Bible. The definition of faith in the Bible. This is the most, there's many different verses all throughout the Bible, speaking about faith. But this one is so clear that I, I believe this is the exact definition. And then all throughout the Bible, you see how you implement faith, how it's used. And I've broken it down in, very, in a very broad manner so that we can see this from a, a, a different scope, a very broad scope. But let's get to it. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is, so yeah, this has to be the definition. It says it right there, extremely clear. Now faith is, what is it? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'll say it again. Now faith is, it is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's something that I'm believing for, but I have yet not seen. I'm believing for something, but I don't see it yet. That's faith. How is it faith? Well, because I don't have it yet. It's not in my possession. How can I believe for something I already have? That's not faith. I already have it. I don't need to believe for it. You know, I have, I have this microphone in my hand. I don't got to believe to grab it. I have it in my hand. You have a cell phone. You have a watch. You have a hat. You have a... Your clothes on. You don't need to believe in God for clothes because you already have clothes. Can I get an amen? I'm putting it very practical. Now, you can't, you can't believe for something you already have. And on the flip side, which is now faith, I can't receive something if I don't believe for it. You, can, you can't believe for something you already have, and you can't receive something you have not believed for. You must put action. But let's start with the father of faith. I'm going to talk now different topics on faith. 
and the different attributes that faith can have in our lives and how we can apply it. Hallelujah. Abraham, you all know he's known as the father of faith. Let's read Genesis 12, English Standard Version, 12, 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you of great nation. Hallelujah. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Remember we preach in the church that God blesses us to be a blessing. Oof. Verse number three says, I bless those who bless you. Hallelujah. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Look what it says in verse four, the first three words. So Abraham went. Abraham, say, Abraham went. Zero doubts. He obeyed. How many times has God told us to do something and instead of just going or being obedient and taking that action, we either doubt or we either question. He not only had faith, you can have faith, but if you don't put action to it, your faith won't work. Imagine, I can be believing in God, right? I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, but God tells you to do something. You still have God, but you're limiting yourself. Whatever you're believing for won't come to pass. Why? Because you didn't put any action to it. Look what it says, and why would I say that? Well, let's go back. to Let's keep on reading the word of the Lord. James 2, 14 through 16. If you're with me, church, say amen. Look what it says here. I'm going to back up what I'm saying. Uh, we always need to have scripture to back up what anyone's saying. Not even me. If I start, if there's something weird and I don't make, you better say, hey, where is, that, where is it in the Bible? Be careful who you're listening to, okay? Make sure they can back it up with scripture. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. Because it's the word of the Lord that changes you, not the word of Albert. No. It's the word of God. Faith without works is dead. Look what it says in James 2, 14 through 16. Here we go. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that, save, can that faith save him? Go to the next one. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, Without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? Go to the next verse. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There you have it. It's right there. Let me read it to you. So what good is faith without works? What good is it if a man claims to have faith but doesn't have any deeds, doesn't put any action to it? Will that faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister, like in this case, one day someone you know needs food and is, has nothing and, and, and doesn't even have clothes, doesn't have food. And you tell them, I wish the best for you, but doesn't give them any clothes or food to eat. What good is that? That's dead. It won't work. What good is it 
if you're believing, if God puts something in your heart, he has instilled something, a vision, a dream, a promise that he tells you that job is going to be yours. You believe God for it, but then you don't apply to the job interview. You don't go. What good is that? What good is it if you want to open up your own business and God tells you you're going to open up your own business? You've been praying and you believe in God for the business, but you don't go on somebiz.org and pay $150 to open up the LLC, S-Corp, or corporation. And then you don't even go and open up a bank account. You don't even take the first step. What good is it? It's not good at all because faith without a corresponding action is dead. I don't care how much you read the Bible, how much knowledge you have, if you don't put action to what you believe, you will never receive. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Faith 101. What good is it if God promised you or you've had visions, you want to go to a school, and God says you're going to go to that school, but then you don't apply for that school. You don't give them your transcripts. Like, they're not going to even call you. You don't even give them, how are they even going to know you exist? You won't get in school. You're not, you're not, <laughs> you don't show up for the job interview. You're not getting the job. The God tells you to go help a brother. Oh, I believe that this person's going to be, you know, this person will have food one day. But you don't even go and give them a piece. Of, you don't even buy them any. You don't, what good is that? Faith without works is dead. And also, boom. So we know faith without works is dead. And now. We know this is what I'm about to get to. Now, there are also different levels of faith. Ready? Romans 12.3. You guys with me? Say amen. I'm going to always tell you to do that. I want to have your attention. I want to make sure you receive. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Romans 12.3 in the New King James Version says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of him, himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. This is interesting. Because, yes, no one's better than anyone else. It's all saying right there. So I'm not higher than you, even though I'm standing in this pulpit right now. I'm not. The person sitting next to you is not better than you. God doesn't love you more than he loves me. Let's get that straight. Jesus died for everyone the same. Now, faith has a measure. Let's see what measure means, right? kind of know what it means, but I kind of like looking and I like researching. Let's look at what the synonyms for measure are. Take the measurements of, to calculate, to compute, to estimate, to count, meter, quantify, weigh, size, and ev or evaluate. To assess, to appraise, measure out, to judge, and, and it says here to survey. So measuring has to do with some type of scale, right? Some people are taller than others. Some people are shorter than others. Some people weigh more than others. Some people are older than others. You see, this is the same. Some people are stronger than others. Amen? With faith, it works the same way. There is a measure of your faith. It's right there in the scripture. So now you know that the size of your faith could matter. That you could be stronger in your faith than some other people. Doesn't mean God loves you more, but I tell you what, you will move in the supernatural a lot more. 
you will receive a lot more. You will be blessed a lot more. You will be abundant a lot more. You will love a lot more. Oh, why? Because you believe, because it depends on how much faith you have. You will achieve things that the other one that doubts won't achieve because it's written very clearly that there is a size, there is a level. Faith is like a muscle. You don't use it, you lose it. You don't use it, you'll be weak. If someone goes to the gym every day, runs marathons all the time, obviously this is something spiritual, guys. It's great to go to the gym and be healthy. Please have a healthy lifestyle. That's good. Our, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Believe that. That's good. But I'm not talking about something physical here. This is a spiritual faith, spiritual strength. And what I mean now in the faith is that you have a measure. You have a size, a capacity. You have, a, you have the availability to strengthen it. And how do we strengthen our faith? By feeding ourselves. And we talk about this all the time. Faith comes by hearing the word of the Lord. Not what you've heard. It's what you're hearing. We said this a lot, and I'm going to say it again for those of you who probably weren't here that week when I said it. I'm going to say that for the rest of my life because it's so true. Because every day there's something new. And every day there's a different level of faith. And every day Jesus, God, will give you some type of different nutrients. That will allow you to battle whatever giant comes your way that day. Because yesterday's faith isn't going to work for today. I don't care how much you know about scripture. If God doesn't reveal it to you and you don't receive that nutrients for today, you won't be able to battle the giant you have in front of you today. Put your hands together. Hallelujah. I want to battle it. I want to be able, I want to be ready every single day, renewing my mind every day, applying the word of God every day, getting new revelation every day, because then I'll be ready for whatever comes my way. Now, am I saying to forget about your past? Not necessarily. I'm talking about faith. Work it out every day, 100%. But I am going to give you something that will be very helpful to you, and we're going to take it back in the book of Samuel. And we're going to talk about David. David. No, I'll tell you now. I'm saying we're going to talk about David. You guys are with me on the internet. Sorry, I'm talking to him. He was asking me if first or second Samuel. It's first Samuel. 17. We have an online audience. Guys, come on. We got to be. We have to be. Let's put it up for them again. Come on. Put your hands together. First Samuel 17, 34 through 37. Church, you with me? Say amen. And sometimes I speak pretty fast. I know. I got to calm down a little bit. I want to make sure you receive, but I only got like 10 minutes left. And the last service was beautiful. You know what? I'm going to stop talking because then I'm going to get distracted and I'm going to waste more time. First Samuel 17, 34 through 37. Hallelujah. But David said to Saul, real quick, before he said this to Saul, I got to tell you this. This is what's going down is Goliath has shown up and everyone is scared. If you don't know the story of David and Goliath, well, I don't have time to tell you the whole entire thing. But basically, Goliath came, tried to mess with God's people. God's people were all terrified except this one man named David. So before we get to what went down, this is Saul speaking to David. And all of his brothers and all of the community are telling him he's crazy because he's trying to go against Goliath, which appeared to be a 10-foot monster, which he was back then. And you could even... Read on that later in your, in your own time of history. But he was a vicious big man. 
and he wasn't going against God's people. But David said to Saul, on verse 34, now we're all on the same page. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took lamb from the flock. Verse 35, David tells Saul, he's the king in this time. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he arose against me. I caught him by his beard, struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Hallelujah. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37 says, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, Paul said to David, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. The only time you can look back is to help you get to where you are today. Because of the victories that you've conquered, that God was with you then, God will be with you today. But if it wasn't for the lion, if it wasn't for the bear, he wouldn't have had the faith for today to attack that Goliath. Oh, you see, everything is a stepping stone. That's why every day you need to renew your faith. That's why every day you need to keep getting fed. Because what God has for you today, your yesterday... When he, first got, when he first attacked that lion, that bear, he wasn't ready for Goliath. But now he was. Because through his faith and through his escalation, you see, God is a God of progression, not regression. We go up. We escalate. We don't decline. And there's reasons for this. You remember your victories. But that same faith that he had when he killed the lion wasn't the same faith he had that day. You need to be fed now. Today, hallelujah, put your hands together. Your Goliath will try to defeat you. But since you're fed and you're ready and you're well equipped, it will never prevail. Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? That health issue that you think you had, that finance issue that you think you're having. Hallelujah. There's, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He can do it all. But you have to believe. You have to have faith. So we know there's limits. There's levels to faith. You have to continue to feed yourself. Hallelujah. Don't allow. No, this is another great one too. Because David could have allowed his present circumstance to hinder his belief. Because if you look, Goliath, David was still only a boy. If you really read, he was a, he was a young, very young man when he defeated Goliath, and then later on he cut his head off, hallelujah. But he was very young. He could have looked at his own stature. He could have, been, he could have said, this guy's going to, you know. It's like if you go to the gym and you first time in the gym and then you see, the, then you see Arnold Schwarzenegger right next to you. This guy's going to bench press more than me, you know. This guy's big. He's on the juice for sure. <laughs> that means steroids if you don't know what the juice means. You know, it's going to be hard to outweigh, out bench press, uh, you know. But when you see things with your natural eyes versus your spiritual eyes, wow. You see, then everything changes. Because you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Put your hands together. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory. Glory. We have to come. We can't allow 
We can't allow the enemy to get the better of us and allow us to see with our natural eyes, allow us to see with our spirit, with our, instead of our spiritual eyes. That's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to look at the Goliath. The enemy wants you to compare yourself to them. Uh, how am I going to do it? No, we need to train our mind, continue to activate, listen, feed yourself with the word of the Lord. You'll see and your mind will submit to what the Lord and what the spirit, hallelujah, have in store for you. Last service, my dad was preaching. How are you, dad? I see him over there. Give it up for my father. And he was saying that the spirit, it was so true, the spirit that's in you is, is perfect. We don't need to change our spirit. We need to change our soul because our souls work because our mind is at where our, our emotions are at. Our, you know, that's why we either pick our flesh. You know, we have a flesh that has the spirit and the flesh are in a constant battle, but it's what you choose. You don't have to pray for your spirit anymore. Your spirit's pure. You got the Holy Spirit of God. What we need to adjust is us. And we need to understand that our mind hinders us from what the Spirit and the Word of God say. So that's why we keep feeding ourselves to some, for our flesh, for our earth, eternal, carnal minds, our logic to submit to the Word of God. Crucify the flesh. That's what that means. When you have those moments, you use the Word of God. Those are your weapons of warfare. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Don't allow the enemy to use your physical flaws to stop the work of the Lord from going through you. From you for you not to achieve what God wants you to achieve. Don't look with your carnal eyes a situation. Listen, this is all spiritual, believe it or not. We do not fight, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of this dark world. The person that that may hate you or may talk bad about you or, you know, other individuals in this world. It's not them. It's the demon that possesses them. I'm being honest with you. You're fighting against spirits. This is a constant battle. Pray for them, you know. And just understand that there's people that once did things like I have many different individuals that you see all throughout the Bible that the Lord has turned their lives completely around. The Apostle Paul used to kill people that believed in Jesus. He was a murderer, a radical killer. And then now all of a sudden he became, you know, he, became, he was the, the, one of the largest pioneers of the Christian faith. I wrote the Spirit of God used him to do so much to establish God's kingdom. So it doesn't matter about what's in the person. It's not about the person. It's about what's in the person. Just wanted to tell you that. That was a quick little side note parentheses. Don't allow negative circumstances to affect you. Going back to, to us. Don't look for an excuse not to use your faith. Not to be used by God. Stop using excuses. We all have flaws. All of us. Look what it says here in Exodus 4.10. How many of you know the story of Moses? Right? Tremendo story. The Lord used him to free uh, thousands and thousands upon thousands of slaves that they were in bondage. God's people were in bondage in Egypt under Pharaoh. And the Lord used him. Many people probably don't know this about Moses. And I'm going to tell you right now. If you're with me, say amen. Before Moses ever took that, that job, or if you would, or that assignment. I like assignment better. Before Moses took on the assignment, look what it says here about Moses. Let's see if how many of you knew this or not. If you don't, you're going to walk out of here a lot smarter. Hallelujah. Much more knowledgeable. Exodus 4.10. Put it up there for me. New King James Version said, 
This is when the, this is when, uh, when the Lord was speaking to Moses in the burning bush, telling him what he wanted. Then Moses said back to the Lord, said to the Lord, oh, my Lord. How many times have we ever say, oh, my Lord? Yeah. I'm not eloquent. Like, I am not fit for this, man. I don't know if I can go do this. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. Like, I've never been ready. Even before you came to talk to me, I am not eloquent. Look what it says here. But I am slow of speech and slow of the tongue. Why did I just talk like that? Because he had a stuttering problem. You see, how is it possible that a man that can't even speak properly, he said it. He's using it as an excuse to try to get away from the promise and what God had destined for him. Not only for him, but for all the people that he delivered from slavery and from bondage. Moses had an issue. And he tried to find an excuse. We know the, the point in the moral of the story is he obeyed and then God was glorified and his people were set free. If God can use a man with a speed, speech impediment, why can't he use you? If God can use Noah who was a drunk, why can he use you? If God can use David who committed adultery and murder, why can he use you? If God used Jacob that was a shyster, a deceiver, and a trickster who stole his brother's birthright, why can God use you? If God used the apostle Paul who was a radical killer, why can he use you? Hallelujah. Put your hands together. There is no reason why. We make up the reasons and the excuses for the why. Allow God to work through you. Put your, put your hands together and stand up, church. Hallelujah. Listen, God uses people with flaws to do extraordinary things. All, if you look all throughout the Bible, there's so many more people that had flaws. So many more people that went through a bunch of different situations that were negative. But God looked, looks for those individuals. I believe David was, what, eight brothers or nine brothers? Was it eight? He was eight or nine of David's brothers when Samuel, the prophet, was looking for who was to be king, the next one in line. And David, out of all the brothers, David wasn't even one of the ones that showed up. David was over there handling the sheep. And then I spoke about this probably like a month ago. And they were, they were, they were there conversating. The prophet Samuel looked at all of these big, strong men, David's big brothers, older brothers. But you see, it's not about how big your exterior is because God looks at the heart. And that's what was discussed. And then the, the prophet Samuel told, <clears throat> was having this conversation with, with David's parents. And it's like, how could it be? The youngest one of ours is the one that's attending to the sheep. It doesn't matter whatever it is that you think about yourself. If God sees something in you, which he does, because we are all chosen. Hallelujah. Stop making excuses. Your Lord, God wants to use you. He uses people that have flawed, big flaws, to do extraordinary things. Because you see, once people see how is it possible that this guy that was a drug addict, that this person who committed all this fraud, who used to be a thief, who used to be a liar, who was on the lows of the lows, how is it that he could turn his life around, you see? Because when that happens, people see you and then God gets glorified way more exponentially. It's not the one that's been bred their whole life like this. It's the one that has gone through some stuff. 
It's the one that maybe has a speech impediment. It's the one that has committed certain types of sins. Listen, we've all messed up. But you keep believing. You keep having faith. You keep on strengthening that faith. You believe for something. You don't let it go. You keep fighting. That's why the Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. And you'll see how you'll be blessed like beyond measure, shaken together, running down, pressed forward, hallelujah. Running over your cup, man, you'll be able, you're going to be such a blessing. When you give, you're giving knowing, man, you give, you give to God. You, and I'm not talking about just money, but yes, that's another type of way you give, you're being obedient. You believe in faith that you know your God is a God of multiplication. He'll provide all your needs. You believe knowing that you're healed because by his stripes, you are healed. You believe that your family, anything, my God's a God of restoration. My God is a God that anything that looks like it's dead, man, my Jesus resurrected. That same power that resurrected it from the grave. It's the same power that could resurrect any situation in your life that may seem dead. 